I'm Dr. Felicia Mebbin, host of Health Healing in Hampton Roads, and I am here with two fabulous guests, Dr. Leslie Hoagland and Ms. Melinda Griggs. I'm so sorry I had to look down, but Ms. <laughs> Melinda Griggs, hello, you guys. Hi. Hi, how are you? I am doing great, and we are so excited to have you here today. So we're going to start with introductions, so if you will tell us a little bit about your connection to Hampton Roads to get started. Absolutely. So uh, I was born and raised here, born in 1977 in Newport News. Oh, you said it, 1977. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Almost okay. 45 I'm years good. ago. <laughs> and um, grew up in Newport News and then lived my adolescence out in New York County. Um, went to Christopher Newport University after high school and um, and then spread my wings and moved up to Maryland. But now Hampton Roads is my home. Um, my parents, my grandparents, my sister, my brother, all of our family are still here. So wow, it's that's home. amazing. Yes, thank you. And what about you, Ms. Green? I have lived in Virginia Beach my entire 28 years of life. <laughs> Somebody else has said it. I have, excuse me, I'm not going to say mine. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I've lived in Virginia Beach, uh, went to Tallwood High School for high school, ODU for undergrad, and Eastern Virginia Medical School for my grad program. Nice. Okay, great. So tell us what you're doing now. We'll start. Yeah. We'll just start with you. Sure. Yeah. So I'm um, currently clinical assistant professor at Old Dominion University. And what does that um, mean? Clinical that, assistant professor. Uh, what does that mean? It's a non-tenure track um, position. Um, really just it allows me to focus more on scholarship in the community rather than to be sort of tied down with the traditional uh, sort of academic expectations of publications and things like that. So okay. um, I, it's scholarship with research, um, but really more practical application of public health. Um, so applying what we're learning in research. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I'm teaching in the public health and health services administration programs at the undergrad level currently and um, focus on teaching health culture and diversity, uh, leadership in public health, and health informatics primarily. Uh, wow, so. that's a big scope. <laughs> it is. Um, I, I came back to Hampton Roads by way of Richmond. I was formerly the division director for population health data at the Virginia Department of Health. So I was there for about 10 years working mm -hmm. um, both epidemiology, program evaluation um, at the state level, the, the three major statewide health surveys, um, behavioral risk, uh, youth risk, and mm -hmm. uh, the pregnancy risk surveys. Um, so overseeing that team and um, kind of got to a point in my career where I was like, I'm ready to really just invest in the next generation of public health professionals. And I want to share what I know and what I've um, seen across my career and mm -hmm. really help bridge that gap towards public health um, the way we know it can be mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. in our communities, at the neighborhood level, at the family level, um, and really just put my efforts in that in that direction. That's a, that's so great because it's so wonderful for our students, our graduate students, our undergraduate students to have direct experience and contact with people who are out there in the field, yes. right? So you're working for a health department at the state level, basically, yes. right? Yes. And you're bringing all that wonderful experience and knowledge to the classroom, right? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, often, um, and that's part of that clinical assistant part is I have that practical experience mm -hmm. and in, the, in the workforce uh, sort of 
quote unquote, in the real world. Um, right, and, right. <laughs> and so I, I can bring direct examples and engage students in real work that's happening. They can come in and grow their skills, apply what they're learning, um, and have some really concrete, tangible experiences to mm -hmm. go on, you know, to start their careers. Mm -hmm. So clinical is a little bit of a misnomer, right? Yeah. To sort yeah. of start it with people <laughs> who tended to be actually physicians or whatever, but it really means someone who, again, like you said, Has, is not tenure track right. with those expectations. Yes, exactly. Practitioners so. who come. Yes. Right. Right. That's it. Great. Exactly. And what about you? What's your, what are you doing now here? <laughs> I am in my last semester. Uh, I graduate in two weeks. <laughs> um, I'm in the uh, Master of Public Health program at Eastern Virginia Medical School, uh, going down the epidemiology track. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that's what has brought me to meet Dr. Hoagland and working with her this semester. And okay, so what does that mean? What do you mean? How did that, how? What uh, was the connection? Um, actually, uh, a fellow professor um, that I had earlier in the spring of 2021 knows Dr. Hoagland. Mm -hmm. And I emailed her and let her know that I, you know, was interested in a practicum at Old Dominion University. Okay. And if she knew of anybody that was open or had projects open, and she said, I, in fact, I do. <laughs> and it's history since then. <laughs> so you did your outreach and networking, and it came up with a connection. Yes, ma'am. Right? Yes. So you're in the master's program. Why did you want to be in this program? So you're in the NPH program? The NPH program. Yes. NPH, and you're based specifically at. Eastern Virginia. Eastern Virginia Medical School. Okay. Yep. And so why? What, what were you doing before and why did you want to get this degree? So I got I got my undergraduate degree in uh, the summer of 2020, right when COVID okay. was, oh, I see. was okay. plunging. Right. And um, I wanted to get a master's degree and, you know, it was perfect timing. I, I had time to devote to the academia and it's been great. So, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, nothing great. like getting your master's in public health during during a public health pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, which means it was online, right? Yes. Is that how? Yeah. Yep. So, how was that experience? Um, you can be honest. Just between us. Uh, no, <laughs> so I went, um, most of my undergrad was actually all online. Oh, okay. I was in the health service administration and um, the only classes that I had to go to in person were a few of the general education courses. And um, I did really well in the online courses. Mm -hmm. I try to keep myself on a strict schedule. Um, so I just kind of continued. Okay, that's that's what we do sometimes. We have to take advantage of the circumstances, right? Yep. To progress. So yep. that's really great. So Dr. Hoagland, back to you. So tell us more about, you had talked about a, a little bit about community engagement. I sort of referenced it. Sure. So tell us a little bit more about a project that you're working on or a way that you engage with the community. Yeah, well, I, let me start with, um, I had, oh, right after I um, earned my PhD in public health, I had the fortunate experience to work with a global health nonprofit here in Norfolk called Physicians for Peace. And uh, it was... Um, sort of a, a wild ride. I was only there for a year as their director of uh, evaluation and uh, monitoring evaluation and organ organizational learning. And I got to travel to Malawi and the Philippines and Colombia and do program evaluations on increasing surgical capacity, burn care, 
starting a blood bank, vision care, prosthetic care. So like, wow. you know, sort of the aspects of how health services are delivered in a global setting. And for the first time, I would say in my career was really tried and true public health, going to people and, and sitting with them and listening and really hearing what they're saying they need. And uh, it really just changed my heart. It changed my mind. It really put me on a path that from that point forward that I was more interested in creating the conditions or the factors within a neighborhood or a, a, a street block or something mm -hmm. that was going to promote health and health in the sense of physical wellness and mental health wellness and social wellness, social connectedness, social cohesion, right? Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. um, I saw this on the global scale and I was ready to come back home and really just apply myself toward finding out what can work here in Hampton Roads. Okay. Um, so one of the main projects um, that I have been working on is understanding health communications in Hampton Roads and how health communication happens, who are the, the spokespeople, who are the most vocal, um, who's communicating the information or the data or the behavioral expectations, the things that we want people to do to be healthy. Okay. And so um, with collaboration with Eastern Virginia Medical School and ODU, we put a cohort of three students together, two from ODU and Melinda from EVMS, to start to do an environment Environmental scan, just a general high-level assessment of how health communications flow within Hampton Roads. Okay. Um, so that that's kind of been one of the projects, um, and in, uh, another big one is working on food and nutrition security. Okay. So actually, can I can I ask a few questions yeah, about that project? And can you explain it to me? Maybe <laughs> I'll ask the questions of our student here. Yeah. So what does this mean? What does a scan mean? Um, so start there. We, my team and I, uh, dove into the internet mm -hmm. and found a bunch of information and sources in the Hampton Roads area of who communicates health. Okay. Where specific communities can go to look for health resources. And we were also finding, you know, different places where it's lacking. You know, not all the different communities have health resources, which they should, mm -hmm. or they don't have as many as some communities do. Okay. Um, and <laughs> I remember the first week of working on it, our first meeting, I looked at Dr. Hoagland and said, I've gone down bunny trails and bunny holes. There's yeah. so much information, and I really don't feel like I've come up with a whole bunch, right. but I just con continued looking, continued mm -hmm. diving, mm -hmm. and I know... Um, of the my team we all kind of felt the same way and um, you know we would go to Dr. Hoagland for guidance and if we couldn't find exactly what we needed she assisted us mm -hmm. in finding the okay. information and did you only look online because you know sometimes communications are not happening online I know you're too young for that but I just to let you know no just kidding <laughs> so we looked online but we also looked at you know newspapers radios stations okay. podcasts of local agencies that might have a podcast mm -hmm. um, I know that there's a couple um, that have them it may not be 
geared towards one specific community, but mm -hmm. it's just the whole health. Sure. So you're again looking at the landscape, however it's defined. <laughs> and part of the challenge, right, is that you have to do something systematic and somewhat measurable, right? So yeah. it's sort of hard to know what people are telling each other, yeah. but you can go to a website or you can go to something that's defined already, yes. right? Yes. And so how were you, um, what, what, how were you searching? Like, were there keywords or how did you know something met your definition of this is a source? So my initial search started off with health communications in Hampton Roads. Okay. And we got the first few big ones, different, you know, organizations. Mm -hmm. And then we just kept diving in. I went from health or Hampton Roads Health Communications to um, Norfolk Health Communications, Virginia Beach Health Communications, mm -hmm. uh, LGBTQ Health Communications, and just going from there. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Sort of a snow, what do they call it? Sort of a snowball effect, like one leads mm -hmm. to the next leads to the next. So Dr. Hoagland, yeah. how did you come up with this assignment? <laughs> uh, well, so I'm a big believer that if I have master's students or undergraduate students, um, it their practicum or interim is going to be practical. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, there's going to be uh, opportunities to learn new skills, experience new things. Um, you know, I used to do a lot of hiring when I was at the Virginia Department of Health, and it was sad in some ways when new graduates would come in and not have that tangible experience to say, I led a focus group. Mm. I did data analysis on XYZ or, you know, I, I did a, a health assessment or an environmental scan, you know, and I have the this experience that uh, then can lead me kind of on my uh, progression as a professional. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, so, you know, the process, you know, what it's not about perfection um, by any stretch of the or doing it in a textbook fashion. Uh, but it's really just garnering that experience and, and casting a wide net, distilling it down into seeing, okay, you know, who are the primary brokers of health communication in our area? You know, is it the primary news outlets? You know, is are there certain key champions in the community that are sort of that voice that everybody uh, resonates and listens to? Um, and so they created this beautiful spreadsheet of different things. They had interviews with people like mm -hmm. yourself yes. <laughs> and uh, Dr. Romero and others, and so, you know, they really kind of did this broad scope, uh, you know, uh, assessment, mm -hmm, if you will, mm -hmm. in interviews and, and online searching. You know, they went to, like, say, uh, Wavy TV 10 and looked at all of their health news over the last year mm -hmm. and kind of, you know, who were the primary spokespersons and what from oh, what organizations right. were mm -hmm. they coming from, mm -hmm. Sentara, you know, the health department, et cetera. So cataloging, inventorying, um, you know, kind of the who, the what, and the how, and um, the, how the communications were occurring. Nice. So can you tell us some results, or is that hush, hush <laughs> until we publish? <laughs> well, um, I, I, would, I, would, yeah. <laughs> I would say um, one of the big key takeaways that we've, between the interviews and then the sources, is listen to the public listen to what the community needs because it, when we don't listen to the community we're not giving them what they need mm -hmm. you know um, they're, they're the key players and just going and talking and figuring out okay this this community it has a lower COVID-19 vaccination rate what can we do to help them 
this community has lower flu vaccination rate. What can we, do they need education? Or mm -hmm. do, do they need, you know, ride chairs to get to these places? Mm -hmm. You know, it's, listen to the community. <laughs> so, so how did you connect the scan with that outcome, with that result though? Um, were you not seeing enough community voices in your scan? Is that what it was? We, uh, between the interviews that we've had, okay. the one key, everything, the one key thing everybody said was listen to the community and have one solid person in that field, whatever mm -hmm, it might mm -hmm, be, mm -hmm. be the spokesperson. Because when there's too many people talking, it, they people get confused. Right, right. <laughs> well, nice. you know, communication's a two-way street, right? It's not just expressing it. It has to be received mm -hmm. in, a, in a way that's going to be effective. And, mm -hmm. you know, kind of looking through... Uh, some of the news sta new stories over the last two years, um, well-intended information, um, but it's not maybe permeating into the community or the neighborhoods like we would hope mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. to then increase vaccination rates, you know, or improve vaccination concerns or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as you know, over COVID, there was a lot of misinformation and disinformation, which is somewhat how this um, stemmed uh, this project. Uh, Dr. Keith Newby at Centera, mm -hmm. uh, you know, definitely uh, was a sort of key push to doing this as well. Okay. Um, and, and so we should hopefully have a report within the next week or so. <laughs> Still or so or so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get it. Um, but really just so that the information can flow in a way that's credible and that people will want to take hold of and then include it in their lives. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Make it real. And I, I think one thing that's exciting about this project is it shows, first of all, the role of academia right in that we have professors who are trained to sort of spot some of these trends mm -hmm. and then to want to go out and design you know work that can benefit the community yes. and then we also have the opportunity to train our next generation of yes. health professionals so that they as you said they have these skills yes. and interest in it right I mean you might not have come in knowing you want to do a health scan but it's probably <laughs> a health communication scan but it, maybe it's something that oh okay wherever you end up now you know to sort of keep an eye out for that, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever role yeah. that you have. Yeah. So that's really great. Well, the other part of it too that we're the thematic analysis is we're also seeing that there are some really credible speakers and leaders in mm -hmm. our community, mm -hmm. but they're not the ones that the media is connecting with. Not up front. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, part of this is figuring out how do we elevate those voices and especially those coming from, um, you know, really important populations in our community mm -hmm. and elevating their voices so that, you know, that, that everyone can hear from the right people too. Right. So right. from those credible sources. Great, that's so exciting. Yeah. So tell us about another project. I know you're yeah. working on a lot of projects. So. <laughs> I do have a lot of um, I had mentioned food and nutrition security, but I, um, I'll i touch on the other project that Melinda and her team have been involved in. Um, so I'm partnering with a colleague at East Carolina University, Dr. Craig Becker, um, who uh, has been in the space of promoting uh, positive health behaviors. And, uh, you know, not that we don't want to 
you know, decrease disease or prevent disease, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, or uh, prevent injuries. That's all part of public health. That's really important things. But we don't spend that complementary amount of time and focus and energy on simply pr promoting the positive things. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, Be Well or Web is the, the sort of the, the name of this digital uh, app or, or web that... Okay, um, I'm sorry. Be Well or Web? Be Weller. So be well. Just don't be well. Be weller. But why did you say? Did you say web though? It's so be weller web. It's it'll be there'll be an online platform. Okay. <laughs> but in, but okay. An app on your phone. <laughs> okay. Sorry. But Didn't the title is be weller. Be weller. Okay. Yes. Got it. Okay. Um, so it's not about having just like an adequate life or even a good life. It's sure. about having a great life. You want to optimize and your health. Yes. 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 So we <laughs> um, are creating this app, this okay. sort of digital life coach for college students specifically, um, to. Um, help give them nudges throughout the day towards positive health behaviors, health thoughts, health attitudes. Um, you know, just and now there's nothing punitive about this app. It's not going to, you know, you, you ate four donuts. Gonna, it's not like, going to critique you, you on that. You. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <Buzz>. yeah. <laughs> so so we've, we conducted four focus groups over the last month um, with college students to assess the feasibility for this type of uh, idea. Okay. And um, Melinda has been one of the facilitators yes. for the focus group. So learning how to facilitate a focus group sure. you know, as, a, as a direct skill. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and taking so. something from idea, because this will be a concrete product, right? Yes. So proof of concept is the point of the focus groups right. and then go to prototype development next. Yes. Nice. That's very exciting. Yes. So is there some place where folks can go and, you know. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> but, but I have, okay, okay, we'll let you do a personal plug. I follow you on Twitter. Uh, yes. So if, you, if I don't know if you use your Twitter account to. Yes, yes. Sometimes. To promote. Okay. Yeah. Well, go ahead and tell. Tell. You can share it. Oh, well. If you want. Oh, my, my. Twitter? Yeah, if you want. Oh, it's, you don't have to. You I can follow me at Dr. Mevin, yes. just so you know. And follow I'll let you know when she's doing great stuff. Dr. <laughs> underscore mom underscore Leslie. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> it's not okay. very easy to say. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the idea, so we've been doing these focus groups and, um, you know, it, not that I was skeptical in the beginning that the college students would be because apps run our lives and, you know, everybody's on their phones and, you know, is that really a good thing? Right, <laughs> is that right, promoting right. physical, mental, social well-being right, or not? Right. Is this just another <laughs> but thing? But it's the source of information yeah, for a lot so, of people. So. so it's meant to be relational. So, like, you right. wake up in the morning and it says, Dr. Mubbin, how did you sleep last night? And you say, whatever. <laughs> and you're like, well, it'll either, you know, give you some good encouragement, positive reinforcement, or say, you know, would you like ideas on how how to sleep better mm -hmm. um, or there's a sleep workshop going on on campus oh, okay. next week okay. would you like me to put this on your calendar for you to attend so there's some geolocation related to the app you know what's around you what your interests desires passions goals are mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. you know it could it be you know you know anything about checking into how many how many classes did you attend this week you know so oh, okay. promoting okay. Oh, it's and it's it's not just health in the sense of like physical mm -hmm. health mental health but it's really Really also about being a good human and volunteering and even recycling so there's this idea of regeneration or you know giving back um, you know as a part of it as well because I was I was wondering because there are a lot of 
health apps yes, out there, yes, but yes. it sounds like one of the differentiating characteristics would be it's about the college life, yes, right? It's like what you're exactly. doing on campus and then connecting all that together. Yeah, and I mean, who, what college doesn't want their students to be healthy and well, right. you know, and to be productive students and, you know, churning out good work and accomplishing and having great success. Uh, so, you know, this is, we see this as an opportunity for colleges to really also invest in their students' well-being and quality of life mm -hmm. um, and sort of this app being an aggregator, sort of a hub where they can um, both get that relational kind of uh, interaction mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. also knowing what's around them and connecting with other students. Mm -hmm. That's really awesome. And one of the things that I'm hearing too is we have an Eastern Virginia Medical School student, we have an yes. ODU professor, and I'm at Norfolk State University. And yes. so it's really great that we're all together because, you know, I say that a little bit jokingly, but, you know, it's our intent actually to be working together yes. on these things. Absolutely. And so it's really, these partnerships are really great. Yes, mm -hmm. it is. And um, I think, you know, as we move towards uh, that formal launch of a school of public health, fingers crossed. Initiative now, yes. but Initiative, yes, sorry, coming Initiative. along, coming along. Yes, <laughs> uh, you know that we see more collaboration and more partnership with one another, as from both institutions as well as you know colleagues, right. uh, as at the at each institution and students too. Exactly, mm -hmm. absolutely. <laughs> so, why public? First of all, oh, I'm sorry. Backing up, we all have fabulous shirts on. Hers says <laughs> VCU Health. Mine says I'm a peer tutor. Yours, Dr. Hoagland. Please yes. explain. So public health policy, not politics. Mm -hmm. um, you know, public health policy is meant to keep people healthy first, right? So they don't progress into a disease state. Um, and that's really, you know, public health is everywhere. Public health is everything, mm -hmm. right? With so much influences us and how we can be a healthy individual, how we can have a healthy family and a healthy community. Uh, and I think sometimes, obviously, as we've seen over the last few years, Politics really gets in the way. Mm -hmm. um, even here in the Commonwealth, uh, Senate Bill 192 was recently passed um, with major bipartisan support for the House and the Senate. Mm -hmm. And the governor made an amendment that has some, you know, feeling a little uneasy now. Mm -hmm. um, what is it related to for folks who are yeah, not familiar? Yeah, so it's related to, um, so in Virginia since 1979, on the books, uh, only physicians are allowed to be directors for local health districts. Oh, I've um, And so this bill just simply expanded the pool for uh, credentialed, qualified public health professionals to mm -hmm. also serve in that capacity. Mm -hmm. um, and like then, yourself, right? Well, sure. Right? <laughs> um, or, yes, or you. Right, yeah. Um, well, we yes. have doctors in public health, so yes. hello. Yes, and, mm -hmm. we, and, and we ha in the state of Virginia, we have a lot of graduates every year right, that could, right. you know, are looking for jobs in governmental public health. So um, on, and on any given day, you know, there's quite a number of vacancies in local health directors. So it was seen sort of as a, a way to also address the staffing capacity mm -hmm. for these important leadership positions in communities. Mm -hmm. um, and so anyways, the, the, the amendment that went through, you know, I still support the intent of the, of the bill. And I think it'll actually be a good thing if, you know, to allow Virginia Department of Health that flexibility in some of these hard to fill positions in the hard to fill areas like Southwest Virginia, Eastern Shore, to put a qualified leader, qualified public health professional in those positions. Mm -hmm. And who knows, maybe our future Dr. Griggs, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That would be awesome. <laughs> and, and, you know, part of the history of that is physicians 
had more of a prominent role as public health was emerging, right? right. It was sort of physicians first and then, I mean, f- public health has been around for a while, but as a sort of organized field that was generating doctorates in public health, yes. it's a little bit historically coming well, after, public right? Public health was Medical. a safety net, right? right? And so, now we have federally qualified healthcare centers, right. we have health clinics, we have Medicaid expansion, right? So policy, healthcare policy has expanded and changed exactly. and adapted. You can get whole degrees in it, just that. For example. So now so now the the advocacy is really around, okay, public health as a discipline, public right, health as right. a profession. How do exactly. we expand that? Right, right. Within those realms. So So now we need to expand the the rules <laughs> to open it up. Yeah, but public health policy is so important, right? So, you know, it's things like getting local governments to allocate uh, space for building affordable housing, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And building connections through transportation and education right. and, and employment, right, within the conditions and factors of Exactly. I was gonna say back to the conditions. Yeah. The conditions that you were talking about, the vital conditions for communities yes. to thrive, yes. thrive.org folks, yes. <laughs> is about, like you said, education, the built environment, it's about access to social services, it's about all of a wide variety of things. Yes. And all of that connects to public health and, you know, the, and the focus on how do we help people in communities be be better. Be weller. Be weller. Be, be yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you guys so much for joining us today. Is there anything you want to say sort of as we close out? Um, just I'll do a little plug for um, another side project I have with okay. Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. Yes. Um, foodsecure.community. Just throw that in your Google search. Um, <laughs> and and if anybody's interested in helping me flip the 6,500 USDA identified food deserts in America into food and nutrition sec- secure communities, come join me. Yes. <laughs> All right. I'm writing that down. Community. <laughs> Got it. Okay. What about you, Ms. Griggs? Thank you for having me. Yep. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> You're so welcome. And thank you for wanting to pursue this field. And thanks to both of you for being guests and for sharing your knowledge and experience with us. It was it was really amazing. And so we really appreciate you and what well, you're doing. Thanks to you and, and offering to, to have us. You're quite welcome. And thank you for tuning in. And please join us for future engaging, informative episodes of Health Healing and Hampton Roads. 